So I'm Colleen, and this is my coworker Eric. We work together at Facebook. You could call us friends. Eric and I are kind of responsible for anything and everything related to video. There's no like part of it that we don't do. There's a bunch of principles in large event video streaming that are important to take into effect. Your event space is gonna become impacted in some way, so you wanna get your signal off-site as quickly as possible and through really, really robust means. I did a live stream with the ISS once. This is a large-scale event with like a lot of moving pieces, including a space station that's literally orbiting around the planet. <laughs> As you know, the video community is pretty ballin'. Sometimes you have to crawl under tables and trace cables. You have to know how to do everything. I'm Matt, the organizer of the SF Video Technology Meetup and the Demux Conference. And I'm Steve, creator of VideoJS, the open-source video player. And I'm Phil, streaming specialist at Mux in London and organizer of the London Video Technology Meetup. And you're listening to Demuxed, a podcast for and by engineers working with video. Demuxed is brought to you by Heavybit, a program dedicated to helping startups take their developer products to market. For more information, visit heavybit.com. We're always looking for topics, so if you have any suggestions or just want to tell us how wrong we are, you can find us on Twitter at Demuxed. Hey everybody, it's been a minute since the last podcast was released, but uh, since then we've had a successful Demux 2018, at least I think it was pretty mm -hmm. successful. I had fun. Yeah, there you go. So starting the new year right, we're going to try to line up a few podcasts. We usually try to keep timing irrelevant in these things so we can release them wherever they want, but we're going to talk about some stuff coming up at NAB, and hopefully this gets released before NAB, but... Anyway, we don't have Phil on the call today, but we will in the next few episodes. Thank goodness. Apparently, time zones are hard. But we do have Colleen and Eric here. Hey. Hello. So before we jump into other things, let's, let's talk about that stuff happening today, B. So there's a Demux party that'll be on Monday night. I think it's from like 6 to 8. That sounds right, yeah. Six to eight-ish. We'll go with that. There will be events and stuff. So yep. ask a friend. Any and charity I'm, events this year? Ooh, like the charity poker like tournament? Like a charity poker tournament? I don't, I don't think we're doing that this year. Who was the charity? There was lots of them. There was three or four different charities last yeah, year. Oh, there was an actual charity. There were it wasn't just in air quotes charity. No, this was a real oh, charity okay. poker tournament for yeah. Demux. What is an air quotes charity? <laughs> like the, the John Dahl comes in and like wrecks everyone and then takes home all the money and he's I the charity. I don't think he won. <laughs> <laughs> I think, didn't James win? Uh, James was one of the winners, yeah. yeah. I do like the idea of just John having a persona of being a total poker shark, but he is. You heard it here first. So talking about the Demux party first, so that it's not overshadowed by Colleen's party, but Colleen, why don't you tell people about your party that you're throwing? I thought you wanted to talk about the Demux party first. I, I just did. It's wait, a, wait, wait, is it, is it at the... It's going to be at the same place it was last Millennium. year. Millennium. Yes, same place it was last year, Millennium Fandom. So it's like, you're going to get in your Uber or Lyft, the driver is going to look at the destination and be really confused, <laughs> and he's going to be like, are you sure you want me to drop you off here? And it's not a bad neighborhood. It's not a bad neighborhood. There's just it's nothing just, there. There's just not really much around. But there is this amazing cosplay bar called Millennium Fandom. And we've got the whole place just like last year. So there's like a little gallery and we'll have tacos and drinks and good times. I don't remember there being cosplay. Is there that is that like their normal thing? And yeah. then we just rent out the joint? Okay. Yeah. But like the bar is like cosplay themed. So there's like all the... If you want to show up in an R2-D2 costume, no one's going to look twice at you. No, if you show on, I like, can take you, my giant Snorlax suit out. Yeah. If somebody full sends it in like a Big Buck Bunny outfit, I will be... Oh. <laughs> Why does that not exist in the industry? So uh, Nicolay, I think is his, his name from uh, Streamroot, 
wants to join on the party and he wanted to do like a really big buck bunny theme party to continue the the theme from the video that oh he my did God, right yeah. the bbc and so, imf or whatever and so i told him you can have one of the rooms in the in the place and you can just make a big buck bunny room like it it's like good. it's like a house of horrors it would kind be of cool thing. to like, have like piñatas made of the tiny squirrels oh. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do like an inflatable obstacle course for Big Buck Bunny that was like <laughs> themed after the traps in Big Buck Bunny. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Pretty good. If you haven't seen the uh, Big Buck Bunny... You probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast yeah, if you point. haven't seen Big yeah. Buck Bunny. No, Let's just blow through that one. Let me finish. Yeah. I mean, the uh, <laughs> the BBC I am at, like the video that uh, Streamroot submitted a talk, I think is a joke to Demux 2018. It was a joke. how yeah. Big Buck Bunny is really an allegory for capitalism or something and uh, it was one of the most highly reviewed talks. Everybody wanted to see it happen. And so I told them they had to make that happen. And they ended up making this incredible video. Colleen was in it, um, Will Law, a bunch of other, uh, basically the who's who of the Demux community was in this video talking about how they basically have PTSD from watching Big Book Bunny too much. Yeah. So that should be also on the Demux 2018 um, YouTube channel. But I'm sure you can just find it in video dev or something like that if you're there. Is it on the demux.com website? It will be soon. The community portal is launching any day now. <laughs> I Great promise. Great segue, right? Into the community <laughs> yeah, hey, portal? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we've actually got the, the community portal. We've talked about this for years, but it's finally happening where demux.com will migrate over to being a community portal with content, like recent news, things like that. Anybody can contribute stuff just by submitting a PR. And So demux.com will actually move over to kind of being a community portal upcoming meetups and things like that from all around the world and videos stuff like that contributed things who like who knows yeah who knows demux.com is it your oyster it would be so weird to have videos on a website about video yeah like we could have oh, a video on. platform let's not get too crazy here and then demux2019 is moving to a subdomain like all the others so 2019.demux.com will be this year's conference which is happening October 23rd and 24th here in San Francisco. Is that the first official announcement of the dates? Unless something happens between now and the release of this podcast, that is the first official announcement. Do you have sponsors yet? Yeah, we do have our first few sponsors already. So right now, this will not be the case by the time we announce this, but right now we're in the, anybody that sponsored last year gets like first dibs on sponsorships for next year. I mean, as you know, the video community is pretty ballin'. (laughs) Speaking of which... Tell us about your party at NAB. Hey. So I've gone to NAB for years and years and years, and you know, there's always like the AJ party that's massive, although they didn't do it last year, and you know, the DMUX party and different things like that. But usually they're associated with some organization or company, and you know, they pay for the drinks or whatever. And generally, it's cool and all, but like that's how it's always done. But I've been threatening for years just to throw my own party. That like is just like the Colleen party or maybe the Streamline party, <laughs> the anti NAB party. <laughs> yeah, and so I don't have to follow the rules of like my company being associated with it or like you know some other companies actually just there to like pitch you on something or whatever it's just a bunch of video nerds like you know hanging out talking about video right so i ended up last year at nab at this ridiculous suite in the uh hard rock and it's got like a indoor jacuzzi that's like got like six people between the dining room and the living room yeah and it fits like six people (laughs) delightful and it's like gilded gold and stuff and then outside there's like a 12 person size small pool like this is a private thing in the room Whoa. and like you know it's heated so it's like a giant hot tub and stuff and the place is like 4300 square feet or something it's truly ridiculous right yeah. it was 4 grand right so i i called up and i'm like i want this this is where we're going to hold the Colleen party and i booked it and then the plan is that i'm going to create something transparent it's like 
anyone who's invited is welcome to donate and help reimburse me or not. It's not required to, to join. And like, if it you know goes over the the price of what it is, it'll just go into the party next year. And if I stop doing the parties, I'll just you know donate it to the EFF or something, right? So I think maybe Patreon might be a good platform where so we can like transparently like share that. Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna see if I can like keep it anonymous because I don't really want companies to try to being like you know oh we're sponsoring this. Or Unlike Demux, we don't want to <laughs> advertise the sponsorships for the Colleen party. And so exactly right because don't want the liability. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't want your name associated yeah. with this. No no no. So that's the plan. And like so far, like people are really stoked about it. I think they mostly are just stoked about the room, but that's cool. We should um, see if we can get whiteboards in the room so people can like whiteboard at the party. That or we could just get like you know how in movies they're always like drawing on windows with pens oh, and stuff. Yeah, we could get like glowy of, pens yeah. and maybe some like uh, black lights or something. Just more portable than whiteboards, right? Yeah, that's how we interviewed our uh, our first uh hire. A beautiful mind. Uh, box was a uh, window. It was, <laughs> it was we were at my house. We were working at yeah. Steve's apartment because we didn't have an office or Steve's house. And uh yeah, that was the closest we got to a whiteboard was his windows <laughs> in his living room. <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, so wait, how do I get into this party? Uh, you be my friend and you hit me up on Slack. Like okay. The only real rule is like no douchebags allowed. <laughs> yeah, people keep asking like who does that entail and there's like one person in particular, but other than that, it's like, you know, I think I'm going to make it like pool party themed because there's pools, right? And so normally, you know, parties like this, people are like, they forget their swimsuit or something or like there's like two people in the pool and everyone else is just standing around staring at them and they feel super awkward. So if everyone looks like they're possibly getting in the pool, Beach I think themed. people will be more comfortable getting in the pool. Considering that that's like one of the main features of this ridiculous thing, and I really like hot tubs, so it'll make me feel better. We've been talking for a while, and I don't feel like we've really talked about who you two are, which for most people in the community is probably fine, because who doesn't know your shining faces? But for anybody that doesn't, why don't you guys give a little background about yourself? Colleen? So I'm Colleen, and this is my coworker, Eric. We work together at Facebook. You could call us friends. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I call you like my work wife or work wife. I sort of said like my partner at work, but then like I people started to think like that was like a, a thing. But for some reason if I say work wife and you're a dude, they're like, Oh, well they're clearly not in a relationship. But we basically <laughs> spend all day every day together working on stuff. So like I could see why they would think that. But yeah, so uh, I joined Facebook like five and a quarter years ago or something like that to work on video. I was the only person working on video at the time. And uh before that, I was at Google and some other startup stuff. So I joined, and uh, there's this guy, Eric, who I ended up meeting, and he was a contractor on the events team at the time. And uh, there's kind of actually a cute origin story. Yeah, so I was on the events team, and we used to do all kinds of crazy stuff where we'd like, you know, it was like running big events for the company when we'd have like all hands meetings and stuff like that. But it was also like people would want their meetings recorded. So imagine like being in this conference room. And there's a guy in the corner with a video camera, like recording the whole thing, and that was me. Um, which, which is was, the most ridiculous service. It was such a. Did you have to wear like all black job. and try and blend in? Kinda. I like. I like to think so about you in like the green man suit, like. <laughs> but like everyone would be sitting in this meeting, like having the meeting, and you'd be standing there, like staring at them, and it was really uncomfortable because they'd have to kind of pretend you weren't there. It was like really just the worst part of the job. <laughs> Everything else was great. Like got to work at Facebook, like you know, I was fresh out of college. The only other place I had worked at like as like a full-time employee was at an Apple store. So I was like there's free yogurt everywhere. This is amazing. <laughs> but I had to stand in in conference rooms and 
record people's meetings, which was like a little, it was not the best. But one day I was recording a meeting and I stopped the camera and I popped the SD card out before the file finished writing. And I completely corrupted. And so it was an MP4 file that was being recorded, so the metadata has to be written at the end, right? Or it's whatever the weird proprietary Sony file type. But I seem to remember that it was a MP4, and that's relevant to how popping it out early would be. Yeah. Either way, the metadata was written at the end, so it corrupted the entire file. I didn't find that out until much, much later in my career. But we had just hired Colleen, and one of my managers had said, like, hey, if you ever have questions about video, talk to Colleen. We just hired her. She knows everything about video. And I was like, I never talked to her before. I just like hit her up on IM, and I was like, hey, I can't get this video file to open. Do you think you could take a look? She was like, yeah, send it over. So I like send her the file, and like immediately she writes back. She's like, did you pop this out of the camera too early? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, you know what? M- maybe. <laughs> maybe I did that. And uh, she was like, all right, give me a couple hours. I was like, oh, okay. And so the whole day I'm like fending off my bosses who are looking for this video file to be delivered. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's coming, guys. Don't worry. I'm working on it. And Colleen comes back like three hours later and she's like, here's your video. If you ever want to learn how I did that, come sit by my desk. And so then for like every day after work for the next like four or five months, I would just after I would get done with my day. And Colleen works late and my job was early. So I would get done with work, I would just go sit by Colleen's desk and I would just watch her as she was like typing furiously. And every once in a while she'd be like, this is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> and here's a bunch of words, you should figure out what these mean. And like through a multi-month process, she eventually convinced her boss to hire me and now I'm a video engineer with no training in how to be a video engineer. Don't worry, I, I had no training either. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think any video engineers actually have just, any just formal happens. training. But. So you went from the creeper in the corner yep. to the creeper standing behind Colleen yeah. yep. to a video engineer, which yeah. is a pretty normal progression. Yeah. So yeah. now I'm just like, who didn't yeah. get here that way? <laughs> it's pretty fair, yeah. So long term, my actual plan is I want him to be the manager of my team because I feel that if you have a manager that owes you, it's pretty sweet, right? And yeah, I don't want to be the manager. So like, I've been, I've been building him up over the years to try and like, get them to that spot. And then people are like, we're never going to let you do that. And they're like, why? And they're like, you're not going to do what he says. And I was like, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Absolutely Solid like the, strategy. Between the voices there and the scenario, it sounds like you're basically Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> That's not wrong. You know, like Rick would probably like, did you, uh, did you pop that SD card out too early there, Morty? <laughs> oh, oh, geez, Rick. You know what? I might have. Honestly, that really is sort of our relationship at work. Yeah. Like, I run off and do crazy things, and I'm like, no time to explain. Get in the car. Like, you're yeah. coming. And he's just like, it's worked out so far. Yeah. <laughs> why, don't you, uh, why don't you walk us through some of those crazy things? Well, there was the time where in a weekend I had to build Oculus Cinema, which is like basically Netflix, but like in VR or something like that. And live streaming spherical video end-to-end from like fabricating the camera, 3D printing it, bunch of GoPro software, all of it in like 172 hours straight because I had to like pitch it later and then it worked. And I was like... Yeah, and so that's an example. It's like, hey, Eric, no time to explain. I need the following things. Just get me these things and then like don't bother me. Like we've done some truly 
crazy things on short notice, though. We've done some crazy streams. Yeah. There, there was the time where at a particular developers conference, somebody created a spherical live stream platform without telling me, and like they didn't properly provision their origin server. And so when all the people joined, it just slammed the origin. The CDN just you know made too many requests and it fell over. And so I get a call saying the live stream's down. I'm like, what live stream? The spherical one. I'm like, what? What are you talking? About? I've no. So I had to run in, figure out what was going on, reverse engineer the system, and then stayed up all night building a load testing platform. After we like put a like origin shield in front of it, and then configured it, and then had to slam it with like 20x the number of expected viewers to like make it work. And then about 7 a.m. we're like, oh, it works now. And then yeah. just random things. So like Eric and I are kind of responsible for anything and everything related to video. There's no like part of it that we don't do. Between like like a lot of times I describe it as like photon to photon, like photons go in, photons go out. I can explain that, but like we don't and run the fix cameras. Anything in between. Like we know how the cameras work, but like we don't run the cameras, we don't do the lights, we don't do the microphones. But like somebody hands us off, you know, and like we don't actually personally go and like physically do these things typically, but we build the infrastructure for Sometimes it. Sometimes we do. Sometimes there was, there was one time uh, during a live stream we had an audio issue where the left and right channel were completely out of phase from each other, so it was canceling out all the audio and. I was running the stream, so I was like trying to keep it up. And Colleen was physically tracing cables throughout like the back of house area, trying to figure out which cable led to which piece of equipment so that we could figure out. Well, first off, everyone was like, why can't we hear the person on the stream? And then what it was is that there was a phasing issue. Somebody had soldered a cable wrong. So it's backwards. So Colleen traced the cables, found the piece of equipment that had the cable soldered backwards. Well, of course, everyone's immediate reaction was like, the live stream platform is broken. I'm like, mm, okay, so I can hear it on this phone. I can't hear it on an iPhone. If I put headphones on, I can hear it. So what it is is because of the phasing, even though it was mono, since they were identical but inverse, when they were mixed together, it became nothing. And so the iPhones had mono speakers, so you couldn't hear anything. So I, so I go and like th- this is a uh, vendor who's providing all of the you know infrastructure for lights, cameras, switchers, and stuff like that. And so we go to the audio guy and we're like, there's a phasing issue, and he's like, fine here, right? And so of course. A, we had to really quickly figure out how to like compensate for that. So in the encoder, like we're just like, all right, we'll take the left channel and copy it, and then so that that fixed the issue. But then of course everyone's blaming the streaming platform, and it's like, no, that's not the platform that would do that. Like we're just taking the signal in, compressing it, delivering it to people. We don't make the signal, right? So everyone, nobody's taking responsibility. So we had to go and like in real time go and trace down all the cables and pull out a scope, and it's like it's right there. Yeah. So it was like follow a cable, pull it out, plug in a scope. See if it's in phase. Pull it out, plug it back in, and go to the next piece of equipment until we narrowed it down. I think it was like a patch panel that ended up being it. But that was <laughs> typically like, we don't we we deal more with like, you know, servers and transcoding and packaging and you know, stuff sometimes like that. Sometimes you but. have to you have to go and crawl under tables and trace <laughs> cables. Yeah. You have to know how to do everything. Yeah, I think that's a good set. I mean, like, I know that both of you do things all across the stack, a video stack for a long time, but particularly for what sound like pretty big internal events, things like that? Internal events, external events. I did a live stream with the, the ISS once. The space station. Can you walk us through, like what, like, what do these events typically look like from yeah. your perspective? So this is a large-scale event with like a lot of moving pieces, including a space station that's literally orbiting around the planet. <laughs> so this one was like Time a Time little... dilation is a factor in the signal flow. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there, there's a bunch of like sort of principles in like large event video streaming that are important to take into effect. Like your event space is going to become impacted in some way, so you want to get your signal offsite as quickly as possible and through like really really robust means. So we had a downlinking facility in if somewhere in Texas that was downlinking the satellite feed from the ISS, and then we had our facility here in California where our talent was talking to the space station from. And then we had Mission Control, which was back in Houston, I guess, and we had to be able to talk to them too. And then we also had an encoding facility in Washington, D.C., where we were sending all of our video to to get encoded. So basically, you need satellite downlinking to get the signal down. You have satellite uplinking to get our signal back to D.C., you have a phone call going on because that's actually how they communicate because you can't send the video back and forth fast enough to actually talk over like video conferencing. They're on a phone call. I have like a really good diagram of how I set this all up that uh, is pretty cool and I could show you guys later. But it's like in the diagram, there's just like signals going everywhere. But you end up using in like space. Yeah, <laughs> With only one, two signals from space. Oh, if you the remember video. when uh, the Elemental guys keynoted NAB and they did the 4K live stream, it's actually on like Amazon Prime, and people like super downvote it because they think that they're seeing like oh space station documentary from the logo. And it's like first live 4K from space, or when they click it, and it's like an NAB opening thing, and they're like, what the hell is this? So they're talking about like doing their live stream from space, and they're super stoked. And then Eric's just sitting there like, eh, I did that. I already did that. I didn't do it in 4K. <laughs> they did it in 4K. I didn't do that. But it was pretty fun. So yeah, we use like fiber backhauls for a lot of it because it's super reliable. That way you can get your signal off-site to a facility where you have like guaranteed I mean, bandwidth. This that's is really IP comfortable. delivery, right? But it's actually yeah. dedicated. Like It's yeah. reserved. You're not competing on the public internet. Yeah, like, dark fiber. Video Although networks. if you were to do that, you might use something like Zixi or whatever to like sure. force your way through. And, yeah. so. and then we had like a whole video production team on site and then a separate team in DC where all the signals were being compiled together, both the ISS signal and the signal that we were sending out. And they were compositing those two together and like mixing it all up and then encoding that and sending it up to our streaming platform. Is that workflow pretty common? It was common because we had talent in two separate locations. So like having someone on the ISS is probably pretty similar to having like one person in California and one person in Brazil or except for one's floating. Yeah. Africa or Europe. Like having people in remote locations is a challenge. And whether they're in space or they're terrestrial, <laughs> I think it's like a pretty similar problem to deal with. Like to be fair, NASA dealt with getting the signal down from the space station, so I didn't have to do that part. I didn't have to like figure you didn't out. Didn't have how to tell send. them that they would have believed you. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a satellite. You know, they beam the signal to the same satellites that you're using for like sending sports games around. And just stuff. one long coax cable that just runs it like is raking yeah. across the ground all yeah. the way around the Earth. Yeah, like, <laughs> lots of them. Lots of, and we took one up into space. It's just yeah, it's fine. yeah. Baseband video over the wires is the best way to run it. So this actually makes us sound more like broadcast engineers, and we're a little bit broadcast engineers sometimes. But like, I mean, we build entire platforms end to end. So like, 
we build encoders that are acquiring the signal. We do the entire workflow. We do the transcoding, packaging, origin servers, content delivery networks, players, everything, right? So back in the day, we just ran all of that ourselves. And then as Facebook Live has come out, we've used that more and more. And I mean, that's what we use in general now, right? But before Facebook Live existed, we built all of that ourselves. So a lot of what we focus on in the live space is ingestion, right? Because garbage in, garbage out. So we've designed APIs where, you know, live encoders are super easy to use, automatically configure themselves so that we don't have to, like, transcode it, you know, multi-generation loss, that kind of stuff. But then I also work on some, like, on-demand stuff, so spherical, VR, volumetric, stuff like that. Yeah, and I troubleshoot live events, fix problems. So a lot of what you said there segues nicely into, tell us about Streamline. All right, so yeah, obviously, since I work at a company that has a platform, right, which is Facebook Live, we have our own CDN, we have our own players, we have our own everything, right? You know, you could use like an Element Alive or something like that, appliance to, to get the signal in, you could use OBS, Wirecast, you know, whatever. Not that I would recommend that you use software on an arbitrary OS and random drive versions and stuff for like a super high-end event, but like super flexible and easy, right? But uh, one of the things we did at Facebook, right, is we designed these APIs and workflows for, um, it was called Project Blueprint at the time. Basically, it makes ingesting live video to Facebook Live reliably as easy as using a Roku. So you just get a box, turn it on, it says go to facebook.com slash device, type in a six-digit code, then you pop it in, then you just go to Facebook, hit go live, your encoder turns on remotely, automatically configures itself, and then you hit go live and it counts down and then you start immediately when it tells you, right? So that's inherently linked with Facebook, right? So we have our own infrastructure at Facebook, we have our own CDN, we have all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's really important there for people to have a easy, high-quality workflow that is basically opaque to them, right? So the partner who first implemented that workflow is Wowza, and they've done an amazing job with the ClearCaster making it all work really well. But to make it that easy, it's inherently linked with our platform, right? And our platform is also inherently linked with users and audience and all that kind of stuff. But Eric and I have not been like building all of the infrastructure end-to-end ourselves anymore. We've been more and more collaborating with more and more teams that, you know, like our CDN team or whatever. I kind of got a little bit of an itch to want to like build everything myself and give it all away for free in a very transparent way where people could learn about it. So I started this thing called Streamline. It actually came out of you saying, Colleen, do a talk. And I'm like, what should I do a talk on? And then my thought was like, well, why not how all of live video works end to end from hardware to software to everything, right? And try to condense it into like the basics, right? And so the trick is how deep do you go? How high level do you go? All that kind of stuff. So Streamline is essentially a reference system for live streaming end-to-end for educational purposes from the perspective of, like, here's how live video works. And what it is is it's a GitHub repository. You can get there on GitHub, or the website is streamline.wtf. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't tell you earlier. I knew that one would be, right? So you go there, and it's actually... Crazy simple. It's just a couple of bash scripts, right? At the most like basic level. Now, it's all black magic fuckery incantations of like random video stuff, but like it's not like complicated code. Like all the actual complicated code is like, you know, for example, the in the server or in the in the CDN or in FFmpeg, which we're leveraging, all that kind of stuff. What this is is an architecture that shows you how everything goes together end to end. So another way of saying it is you go to this GitHub repo and you click on a link that takes you to an Amazon shopping cart that has like computer parts with a capture card. You buy that and then you go to this repo and there's very in-depth directions, walkthroughs that explain how live video works and step-by-step get computer, assemble, install Ubuntu, run the script, now you have an encoder. And what that does is it downloads a FEMPEG, all that kind of stuff, 
compiles everything, drivers for your GPU for the adaptive bitrate encoding, all that kind of stuff. And then um, it teaches you, all right, now log into AWS. One of the assumptions is that you have an AWS account. And then you provision an origin server and you SSH in and you just run one script. Now you have an origin server. Then you, it teaches you how to hook up CloudFront for your CDN. Now you have an encoder, you have an origin, you have a CDN. And then you just run on the encoder from the command line, launch, and uh, you say launch, here's the origin, here's the CDN path. And it says, cool, here's the URL to a player on a CDN. And what it's doing, though, is it is taking in in the hardware, HDSEI capture or HDMI into a Blackmagic capture card, then FFmpeg's running, taking that source, scaling it into multiple different resolutions, sending it to a combination of software encoding with uh, LibX264 and hardware accelerated encoding with NVENC, and then packaging that up into HLS, and then doing HTTP puts to the origin server, and it also writes a very simple web page that has a... Uh, HTML5 player in it, and then just uploads that with the segments and says, here you go. So it's super high quality, like it's good HLS, like it's 4K, you can do 4K30, you can do 1080p60, whatever, like all of it end to end, but it's super simple. So like the whole point is that it's everything you need, nothing you don't for it to be transparent for you to learn how it all works. So like one of the reasons I chose HLS instead of Dash for this particular use case is that HLS is easier to read the manifest and learn how it works, right? Mm. I don't think that it's better. I mm -hmm. think for the concept of streamline learning how it all works together, it's more transparent for people to understand. Hmm. And the reason that things are just simple bash scripts is you can look at them and you can say, oh, this is the drivers that I need. This is how it's all going together. This is the FFmpeg commands, all that kind of stuff. Now, people are always asking me, like, wouldn't it be better to like write this in Go or abstract this when I'm like, I want to show my work and I want to make it as simple as possible end to end, right? I didn't really do that much like from a software perspective. What it is is how all of the software, all of the pieces go together, hardware, everything, and the configuration of how they all go together. So you can look at it and it's like, oh, so that's actually how you do HLS and FFmpeg. Like, all of it's right there for you to look at. And so I actually get tons of IMs from people saying, like, this has been unbelievably helpful because I didn't know how to like do this thing and I looked at it and now I get it, right? And they say, but have you considered doing this fancier thing? And I'm like, not in Streamline because the whole point is it's the basics that you need, well, all of it. So the downside is I in no way make any promise that you should like bet on this. Mm -hmm. It's going to explode. I, <laughs> I write that there like, I don't do a ton of testing. It turns on, it works, you can see it, how it all works. But you wouldn't want to like do an event where you get fired if it crashes. Like <laughs> that's not what it's for. What it's for is to teach you how all this works together. Now you could take it and you could burn it in and test it and all that kind of stuff, but that wasn't really the point of that version of it. The point was education and learning how it all goes together. I'm working on sort of two next iterations of it. So the next one is called Screamline, which is basically the <laughs> basically what it is is all of the fancy stuff. So one of the projects that I did recently with some friends is we built with a combination of Dash.js and FFmpeg stuff that Akamai did. We wrote a origin server and built a, a demo of how you can do low latency live streaming on a public CDN scalably, but in like 2.2 seconds latency. Mm. So it's the low latency CMAP stuff. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was missing in the community is nobody had a server that could do it and nobody knew how it went together. So this is a combination of the FFmpeg work to you know ingest encode, contribute, then we have the server, and then we have the player properly configured. And you can see it all going end to end, right? And that was just sort of, a, again, an educational thing where people can look at it and say, oh, that's how low latency CMAF works, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually like kind of getting fancier for fun, right? So like FPGA accelerated VP9 encoding or other wacky stuff like that. So Screamline is basically 
instead of being educational and simple to learn how it works, Screamline is going to be like the fancy, wacky, like gloves are off. Here's how you do cool stuff. Again, no promise that this is going to be robust, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be like sort of like drag racing, right? One of the techniques that people will use is they will take an engine and they'll literally fill it with cement, right? And just go down because they only have to make it a quarter mile. That's it. And the thing is, that keeps it from exploding, and they don't need a cooling system because they're not running more than a couple of minutes, right? Mm. So this thing is not designed for testing or whatever, like, you know, longevity, reliability, that kind of stuff. It's to demonstrate, like, here's how you get bits from here to here the fastest in the highest quality with the coolest stuff, right? Mm. So, for example, we're going to be doing, like, ingest and encode into, like, HEVC. Granted, I would never deliver HEVC because super terrible patent things, but for contribution, you can get away with it because nobody can catch you. Um, (laughs) But... uh, now, Amazon now has a service called Media Connect, which is Zixi compatible. And so you can take Media Connect and you get the free Zixi proxy software. And so this will do bonding across multiple connections. And with the Zixi protocol, it's like super robust. And then it'll go up to Media Connect. And then from there, it'll go to a F1 instance running the NG Codec VP9 FPGA accelerated stuff. And then that'll do VP9, which is, you know, 30% smaller for a given quality. And package that into Dash, and it'll be low-latency Dash, and, like, through the whole system, right? So that's, like, Still basically the hot source. rod. All open source. Well, the NG Codec FPGA stuff runs on an AMI by, like, mm-hmm. the hour. So, like, at some point you have to pay for something, right? Still so, running it on Amazon. So my thought is everyone has a credit card and can use an Amazon account, both to purchase hardware or, you know, using AWS. So, like, that's mm-hmm. basically the rule for me is that, well, for Streamline it was it's all open source, and then you buy the parts on Amazon, commodity computer parts, and you can set it all up, right? Yeah, I, now, pulled, up, I pulled up your shopping cart here. It looks like 1500 bucks. Yeah, the next stuff? one's going to be much cheaper from a hardware perspective because okay. instead of doing the encoding... So on Streamline, we do all of the encoding on the encoder and contribute all of it pre-done to the origin. The origin doesn't do any transcoding or packaging. Gotcha, anything. It just yeah. serves it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a trade-off that we make, that we explain, right? Mm-hmm. So... One of the trade-offs is the encoder's a little more expensive, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to run this thing 24-7 or whatever, it's actually way cheaper, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the quality's better because you're not doing multi-generation transcoding, but it requires a faster internet connection because you're doing the contribution of all of the levels, not just, you know, one top level. So for Screamline, we're doing HEVC contribution over bonding. It'll probably just be a cheap little Intel NUC with a Blackmagic capture card or something in it, right? Mm -hmm. And then all the transcoding will happen server-side. Now, the ng-codec FPGA IP is closed source, right? And so one of the things is that you can't just kind of like walk off the street and like license it. But they do have an AMI where you can just go and like for X dollars an hour use it and there's FFmpeg, right? So mm. that sort of is a easier way because, you know, then they don't have to procure an FPGA, flash it, negotiate IP, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. like this time we're doing server-side transcoding, and it also shows a different signal flow, right? So it's not so much that one's better than the other. I explain why you would do one versus the other. So nice. Streamline's more like you would have a fast internet connection in a facility, you'd be running like a 24-7 channel, something like that, mm-hmm. whereas the other one's more of an event-based thing where it needs to be small, light, cheap, go across multiple internet connections on untrusted networks, things like that, then you do a server-side transcode and package it up and deliver it. The final phase that I would like to get to at some point is called Dreamline, which is, (laughs) you like it? And so Dreamline is like, hopefully we'll actually take some of this stuff that's been educational slash experimental 
and actually make it robust for people to use reliably that they can count on, right? Yeah. So the first one is like, here's how you learn the basics. The next one is like, now let's get fancy and you can, you know, do the advanced class. Mm-hmm. But like, all of this is not meant for, like, go buy something from Elemental or Wowser or whatever if you want something reliable and supported. And like, if you get fired because it exploded, I'm not going to care, right? Because right. I literally tell you, don't use this. <laughs> like, you can learn how it works. You could build something out of it that's reliable, but I've not spent all the time on that. Mm-hmm. And because reliability is so important in live streaming, I want to be very clear that you should not use this. What are the specific pieces that you think of like reliability that you might run into first if you were running this and actually trying to run in production? Well, for example, I haven't run it for 10,000 hours straight or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just things happen. Like with video, weird timestamp stuff, all sorts of things like that. I don't know. Like, unlike the Clearcaster workflow where everything's automated, this thing is meant to be transparent to the people who are configuring everything, right? So they can look at it. But because of that, you also have all the knobs to screw yourself with if you mess them up, right? <laughs> it shows yeah. you all the settings, but you can also change the settings, right? Yep. And so Dreamline would be basically, all right, we'll do the fancy stuff, and it'll have a workflow where you can just easily, like, Here's the parts, download a, a file, burn a USB stick, plug it in, turn it on, it boots right up. It's QC'd software, and you know you, you spin up one like CloudFormation thing, and you've got a platform. Have you guys ever tried to do it? Streamline? Yeah. Yeah. It's like weirdly easy and fun to kind of build your own streaming platform out of nothing. It's also one of those things, like, I wish you had made it before you found me. Because it would have made learning about this stuff so much easier. <laughs> it's so hard to find this kind of information just like out there in the world and to have like one repository where you're like, oh, this is everything I need. <laughs> honestly, it's one of those things where you, you don't even need to like look at the code to find value out of this. No, like, it's like honestly, the readme the itself isn't is... important. It's like you have to look at what FFmpeg's doing. Do, yeah. you, do you have to buy the computer and put it together in order to use it? Yes, from the perspective of. I have made some very specific design decisions, mm-hmm. and it means that like the scripts that build that encoder, for example, I haven't tested them on any other configuration. Mm-hmm. You literally buy that. And so for like high-end live streaming, you want a completely controlled stack, right? So like I was saying earlier about OBS, amazing software, super flexible, powerful, really, really cool. Now, the problem is it can run on anything, right? So you don't know what the OS version is, what the driver version is, what the, and you know, Hugh writes OBS, awesome guy, he doesn't have a whole paid QA team making sure that everything's perfect. He rolls something out, and if there's some Mm -hmm. bugs, then he unrolls it and fixes it and rolls it out again, right? So the approach architecturally with Streamline to work towards Dreamline is that we control the entire stack of hardware and software and everything Mm end-to-end. Now, if you wanted to, for example, take Streamline and the, the basic stuff there, rip off the capture card, put an RTMP input flag on the FFmpeg command and run it on a server, totally. Like, you can absolutely modify it into tons of different things. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of value if you want to start tweaking things. But that's what I want you to be able to get to eventually by using this one controlled, simple stack. Hopefully, you can eventually say, but, you know, actually, what I want to do is the following thing, or I want that, or whatever, right? And, mm-hmm. and then you start tweaking it. But, like, it's a reference starting point of how everything goes together end to end. It's not. It's not like Wowza where you can just install that server software on whatever machine and configure it. Like it's it's very simple and transparent to get you started on particularly open source based and standards based video contribution and delivery. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I like this a lot. It's, it's like um, if you work your way up to Dreamline, like you have this like really solid base of understanding to get to to 
uh, you understand what's happening underneath the scenes, mm-hmm. like um, as you're streaming these events. And if you need to like fix something, you're in a much better place than if you'd like not understood any of the mechanisms that are happening. Yeah, or yeah. or even you get the streamlined stuff, or you even just read the repository and look at it, and you mm-hmm. understand it deeper, and then you say, "Cool, now I'm going to buy the Ferrari. I'm going to buy the Elemental Live, or you know whatever equivalent of this." But the thing is. Nobody teaches you how it all goes together. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about this. The beta version of Streamline was you telling people like, go learn what Nginx RTMP module is and like set it up on your own and stream something. And this is like, I don't it's know what you call it. the end conclusion where we have the contribution yeah. and we have the hardware yeah. and we have the player and all that. Yeah. As like a way to get into like video and streaming and learning how all the pieces go together. Yeah. <laughs> But it's also just a fun sort of basis for me to play with new technologies just for self-education, right? So, like, for example, the um, new NVIDIA cards just came out. Um, the RTX generation has actually really good hardware encoders in them, right? And so I previously was using the, the previous generation of it, and now we're going to be using that one. And, like, you know, I'm playing with the, the NG Codec FPGA stuff, right? And I can put that in there. And so uh, low latency CMAF dash, I can put that in there. And so, like... It's a playground to see how things go together, but you would be amazed at how many vendors in the industry who will try to sell you something. Now, I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way, but like, let's say that you are Elemental. They're like, here is an Elemental Live. You can take in video and you can stream it. Now, the next thing that like a beginner is going to ask is, "Cool, what next? Like, what server do I use? What CDN do I use? What player mm-hmm. do I use? What?" So very few what people actually give you. Yeah. Unless you're using an off-the-shelf service like Twitch or something like that, right? They all have pieces. Nobody knows how the pieces go together holistically and then shares that knowledge in a simple, accessible way, and that's kind of the point of the project. That's awesome. You're talking about how like it could run on a badger or whatever? <laughs> Install Linux on a dead badger? My contribution to this universe of projects is going to be Seamline, and it's Streamline that runs live streams from internet-connected sewing machines. Yep. Oh my God. Yep. Of course, the natural progression 2019 of 2019 is going to be wild. To use y'all. the small <laughs> amount of compute on seamline.so. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, last question, I think we're running close to time, but to wrap this all together, like what would you say is the relationship between Streamline and your work? Like how do those things tie together? I mean, my work is based around people actually doing live streams that are going to be actually watched, right? So it's part of a platform that has to be reliable and there have to be viewers and it has to be easy to use. And that's that world, right? But because of that simplicity and that reliability, things become opaque, right? And you can't learn about it, right? And I also work with teams and teams and teams of people, right? Whereas on the other side, I'm like, wait a second, hold my beer. I'll just show you how this works, Right, and there's no promise that anyone's going to show up and watch it. There's no promise that it's going to like run for a long period of time or whatever. It's not expensive. It's not like it doesn't you know have the community aspect of it or anything like that from the perspective of like generating viewership or whatever. What it does is video goes in, video goes out, right? But it's a educational open source tool for people to learn about this stuff as opposed to actually accomplish the task of doing a live stream. I don't care whether or not I can look under the hood when I've got tens of thousands of people watching. Just don't fail, right? Mm. The opposite one is, well, what if failure is okay and I want to learn how this works? Yeah, I love uh, open source projects that at least start as kind of an educational 
platform, right? Like it sets up the project so much better for building a community and building contributors and like helping people understand it, right? Like you have a lot of open source projects that just focus on the technology first and doing the best thing there and they, you know, do things one specific way that like only certain contributors are actually yep. going to understand, right? But this is like starting on a base of education, totally. right? And so And it's architecturally sound. Like this is mm-hmm. why even though we're going for easy and cheap, I still provide you the entire hardware stack and OS specs even though we could just say, go use OBS, right? Mm -hmm. The reason is I want to be able to work towards in the future, making it more and more refined and robust and reliable. The bones are there. The architecture is there. It works great already, but you have to refine the reliability and ease of use over time. And that's also when a lot of this stuff becomes opaque, but architecturally, Streamline is great, right? And Streamline is also going to be great in a different architecture for different use cases, right? Mm -hmm. And so the goal of Dreamline is to make it eventually easy and turnkey and something like that end-to-end, but it's going to take a community to do that, right? I'm just one person screwing together different things and showing stuff off. A lot of actually the work that is in Streamline isn't something that you see in the repo. What it is is I get part A and I get slot B and I try to put them together and they're supposed to work together and they don't. So I track down who the people are who you know own that muxer of FFmpeg or you know on this server you know are doing this protocol or whatever it is, and I work with them to fix their bugs and get it all <laughs> together so that the configuration is super easy and simple. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was like I didn't know that you know that didn't work right, but nobody tried it before right. So the reason it's so simple is I bugged all the people in the system to try to get it to be that simple right. So users of this have the force of Colleen ahead of them. Yeah. Blazing the way and making it simple. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So, for example, like adding to the dash muxer uh, the ability to do HTTP put methods instead of HTTP post, something like that, right? That was not a flag that was previously available in a FEMPEG. Simple add, right? So, I just worked with Karthik, who maintains that, right? And I was like, can you add this? And he's like, okay, right? Chill, right? Now, the next thing is I could have used the post stuff and then had a server side thing that takes that data and writes it to a file, but if we just do put, it's just a configuration for Nginx or whatever and just writes to a file, right? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Mm-hmm. So seriously, if you haven't checked out Streamline yet, the readme alone is is worth a visit. That's what I've been pointing people who have joined Video Dev and asked kind of like, I need high-level overviews of how all this stuff works for how do I video? an engineer that's just joined our team. And by the way, all of the information that's there is not exclusively relevant to live streaming. The reason that I chose live streaming is that it shows you how everything works end-to-end by definition, right? Yep. So the only difference between live streaming and on-demand video is you are creating the video, contributing it, encoding, doing all of it in real time, and therefore you can see the whole system. If you remove the real-time requirement, that's way easier, right? You can rip off the the hardware, you can rip off the the live, you know, real time encoding or whatever, right? And you can just take your time. But the, all the configs for the HLS ABR delivery, the the player, the CDN, the origin, it's all the same, right? Yep. So I figure if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Do live. <laughs> <laughs> it's real. That's... All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. You too. Appreciate it. Thanks for uh, having us. Of course. Anytime. If you have any questions. For Colleen or Eric, both of them are also on video dev, video-dev.org. And, you're and there's, probably... a, there's a streamline uh, channel in the video dev Slack. So yep. if you want to come and ask questions or whatever, like we're helpful. I'm trying to build more of a community around it. Uh, if you want to work on it, that's awesome. Uh, like Contributions welcome, but talk to me first before you like waste time on it. A lot of people are like, patch is welcome. And I'm like, don't, don't go write a bunch of stuff and just show up with a patch. And then I'm going to be like... I disagree or whatever, just be like, I want to work on this. And I'll be like, okay, great. Like, 
if that fits. So, for example, right. there's a, a lot of the philosophy behind it's got to be simple and transparent. Sometimes people want to make it easier to use but hard to understand, right? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. like, a lot of this is architecturally, you know, like, it's got to be simple, simple, simple. But, like, if you want to join and work on it, that's great. If you want to just ask questions of how video works, we're super happy to help. Like, And then hopefully, eventually, we will build the opaque, simple one with Dreamline. Awesome. And as, as always, you can catch some of us, subset of us, all of us at SF Videos on the end of the month. And if you're not a douchebag and you want to come to a cool party at NAB... Come to NAB. On Tuesday. It's important to be a part of the video industry, and NAB is where the video industry comes together. And on Monday, there's the DMUX party. On Tuesday, there is my party. And there's also maybe a WAZA party would be super awesome. Like, it's been awesome for the last couple of years, so, like, maybe go to that first and then to mine. Yeah. There will be parties. There will be booths. (laughs) There will be booths. (laughs) Booths will be had. What's the phrase from um, one of the Aliens movies? Big things have small beginnings? Yeah, something like that. Is that from Prometheus? It is, I think, yeah. yeah. Robot guy? Yeah. Well, thanks again, y'all, and hopefully we'll see you at the next SF video or Demuxed or whatever. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. That's all we have for today, but as always, we'd love to hear what you thought, even if you disagree, so please reach out on Twitter at Demuxed. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders. 